1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the 44th episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast. Did I say a little fancy there? This is so fancy.
2: I love when you, uh, you're you getting better and better. Actually, last time you didn't say it fancy, and I don't know if I like I had like a sadness to me. That's actually why I messed up the last intro, because I was waiting for you to say it all fancy. Anyway
1: professional book nerds. <laughs> it's
2: Wonderful. Uh, hi, Jill. How are you doing today?
1: I'm good. How are you, Adam?
2: I'm doing spectacular, and watch this easy transition. I'm going to tell you about today's episode that without you
1: asking great. me.
2: Today's episode is an interview I did with debut author Chelsea Sidoti, and the interview took place at ALA in Orlando a few months ago. Uh, her book doesn't come out until January, which is why we waited a little bit for it, but her book's name is The Hundred Lies of Lizzie Lovett. It's kind of like a coming-of-age YA teen female in high school kind of struggling with who she is and, and who she wants to become. And she gets obsessed with a girl who disappeared, who was incredibly popular back when she was in high school a few years ago. And at first, she's very snarky and sarcastic about the whole thing and doesn't understand why everyone's interested in the story. And then she slowly kind of becomes intertwined in the in the story itself she takes a job where this other person used to work who disappeared and becomes obsessed with her disappearance and things ensue and all <laughs> sorts of stuff happens but it's good sounds i think good. people will really enjoy yeah it. that
1: sounds good
2: and i had a i actually just remember this when i was talking to chelsea she had a little bit of background uh for those of you listening. I'm sure we mentioned a bunch of times, we are in Cleveland, Ohio, so mm-hmm. the author was originally from Northeast Ohio as well, so there's a lot of um, Northeast Ohio kind of like old uh, rust belt type of a setting to the story It's Nice, so it was, I
1: like it, that sounds good, that sounds like a good book for fall.
2: It's a perfect book for fall, oh look at you transitioning, so why would we be so interested in fall and things like that, Jill? <laughs>
1: That's an excellent question. Other than pumpkin spice lattes. No. <laughs> I love them
2: so much.
1: Um, well, it back to school, and we have a big back-to-school sale going on um, Overdrive for our library partners mm-hmm. if they want to stock up on any. we got audiobooks. Uh, ebooks, streaming video, all on sale for libraries. So that's a good reason to be excited for fall. Yeah,
2: and there are everything from like classic books that you'll expect students will be reading as they go back to school to popular content, like you said, in every single format. format so, yep. um, and we're mentioning this for our libraries. Like you said, they can purchase all this content in our marketplace. For our end users who are you know, readers or listeners who are just enjoying the podcast, if you go to Overdrive.com, we've mentioned this a few times now, there's an Explore button, and we have a ton of lists that have been created that kind of go along with the back-to-school sales. So you can see all the content that's in there. Uh, there's one that's uh, inspired by the 1,000... Oh, I'm sorry, I'm going to It's okay.
1: It's one of the Diversity, 1,000 Black Girls yeah, um, books sort of pushing people of color, specifically female characters that are people of color, too. Yeah,
2: so there's a lot of really good uh, books in that particular list. And there's a few others. Again, if you go to overdrive.com and click the Explore button, we create a ton of lists trying to make it as easy as possible for you to get book recommendations. And a lot of those align with our back-to-school sale. Mm -hmm. And there's a uh, professional book nerds reading list there.
1: There is i think we should also point out because i don't know if we've done this we've mentioned the lists mm-hmm. but when we say we put them together we mean actual people yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> like these are lists that are made by the staff here the librarians here the marketing team helps i yeah. know, with some of them so like these are they're not just like auto-generated
2: yeah that's a really good point <laughs> we We've mentioned this a few times, but we have a whole team of staff librarians that you're a part of. Right. And we spend a lot of time creating lists of things that we think people will really enjoy. My personal favorite lists that we make are the ones that are like Overdrive's picks for fall, because yeah. when we say that, it literally is us having a chain email saying, yep. What's, what are the books you're excited about? So, um, yeah, I think that's a really good place just to find book recommendations in general, as if we're not throwing enough at people every single week. But um, Anyway, anything else that you want to talk about? Maybe how people can get a hold of us?
1: Sure. They can find us on Facebook and Twitter mm-hmm. and email us. <laughs> I totally was going and then I lost it. Email us at feedback at overdrive.com. Our poor listeners. <laughs> I know. We st- oh, These intros. I wonder if they like...
2: <laughs> they're just down a rabbit hole of us laughing they just, at like, each other. just like fast
1: forward. <laughs> yeah, I
2: know. They just wait until they hear the intro music. Um, that'd be understandable. <laughs> well, they're missing a lot of hijinks and quirkiness from the two of us
1: Uh, they are
2: (laughs) um if you've made it this far also if you want to go to itunes and give us a rating uh anytime you rate a podcast it kind of helps other people discover a little bit more easily so and of course you can subscribe by clicking that subscribe button in itunes or anywhere else that you listen to your podcast so every monday and thursday when we have a new episode it'll automatically be on your phone or your device waiting for you
1: yep Sounds good.
2: All right, we should probably get out of here before we start <laughs> messing up again.
1: Agreed. Oh,
2: okay, I hope everyone enjoys this episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Adam from Team Overdrive, and today I'm joined by debut author Chelsea Sedoti whose debut book, The Hundred Lies of Lizzie Lovett, comes out early next year. Uh, I'd like to thank our friends at Sourcebooks for helping connect us for this interview, and Chelsea, thank you so much for taking some time to chat with us today.
0: Thank you for having me.
2: So. Anytime we start a podcast, I'm always terrified that I'm going to do spoilers if I do give an introduction to the book. So can you maybe give our listeners just a brief introduction to what The Hundred Lies of Lizzie Lovett is about?
0: Yeah, of course. The Hundred Lies of Lizzie Lovett is about a uh, teenage girl who gets herself wrapped up in a missing persons case. Her name is Hawthorne, and she's sort of uh, very strange and has an overactive imagination. And when a, um, a popular girl that she knows... Disappears, Hawthorne comes up with her own theory for the disappearance and goes on a quest to bypass the police and solve it herself. Uh, Mm -hmm.
2: And so, before we actually dive into the book itself, you reference dying steel towns in eastern Ohio just a little bit in there. And I have to say, I literally grew up in a dying steel town in Ohio. So,
0: do you mind
2: if I ask, like, kind of where your family was from? My
0: family is from Steubenville, Ohio. Okay. So, that's where I'm originally from. And, uh, my mom's side of the family is still in the area, so though I, I haven't actually lived there since I was four, I go back about once a year to mm-hmm. visit. So that area of Ohio is very, very close yeah, to my heart.
2: That just that just like struck a chord. Me. I'm from originally <laughs> Lorraine, Ohio, which is about two and a half hours north of okay. Stephenville. Uh, I'll do, I'm sure all of our listeners are thrilled <laughs> yeah. of our Ohio geography yeah, co- it's talk. It's fascinating, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> so how much of that went into influencing your writing?
0: Well like I said, I just, I love that area. Mm-hmm. I love going back. I love visiting. I love being around trees because I'm in Las Vegas right now. And so I'm surrounded by desert and, um, there's not water. There's nothing green. Right. Um, and so I'm so I've just always been drawn to the, to the Ohio region anyway. And, uh, a few years ago I was visiting my aunt and I was sitting on her, her front porch late at night by myself. And I was mm-hmm. sitting on the porch swing and looking at, outed her dark neighborhood and it just struck me this is where my book takes place this is the neighbor this is the exact Dash neighborhood, neighborhood yeah. where hawthorne lives and so there kind of wasn't a question mm-hmm. it, it just felt too right
2: well it like i said it hit home for me <laughs> I, I love having that you know connection with the book that was yes. nice serendipity right there um so your book does handle some relatively dark subject matter uh the disappearance of a young person is really it's never something that it's going to be incredibly light and cheery, but right. I wouldn't describe the book as dark. It's uh, Hawthorne has a, a nice a sense of humor about herself, and she's, she can be a little catty and shallow at times, but she does it in a really, really funny way that is um, incredibly enjoyable. Was that something that you threw in there to kind of add the brevity to the book on, on purpose, or was it just more that awkward teen humor just felt right?
0: You know what? When I started writing, I had... I had it in my head it was going to be a much darker book mm-hmm. than than it ended up being. Um, and I thought it was going to be sort of this gloomy story about obsession and, you know, this friendship that forms for all the wrong reasons. And as I started writing, I sat down and I started writing the first chapter and the first line, which has not changed ever through the process, wow. uh, came out. And I was sort of like, "What what is this? Uh-huh. But it just felt so perfect, and I finished that chapter and reread it, and it was not what I was expecting. But I immediately knew you know, this is the character, this is Hawthorne, yeah. and maybe uh, this book is not what I what I'd first imagined. And um, so as I wrote, just the, the, her little sarcastic, you know, dark humor comments just kept coming, and I went with it, and I'm so happy that I did.
2: Yeah, and did those kind of like little snarky bits that she has here and there. Is that kind of from past experience? Like, did you have people in your schools that... I mean, obviously, we were all were teenagers yeah. at one point. We
0: all we all had that, <laughs> you know, that person at school who was just our nemesis, I think. Yeah. I think most people had that experience. But yeah, definitely some of her little uh, quips were from my <laughs> own life.
2: Dan, how are you? Sure. Um, so what is your writing process like? Are you someone who likes to wake up first thing in the morning... And just right until noon or are you do whenever the Inspiration hits? Is it just how? What are you like your day to day kind of writing process?
0: It's very important for me to have a schedule. I need to have a schedule because I feel like if I don't have a set time when I'm supposed to sit down and write, then you know I'll end up sitting there and reading for hours instead. I need to make myself. But with that being said, you can't really control the creative process. And so, though I do have, you know, these are the hours I'm going to write, there are days where I sit down and I literally stare at the screen for two hours, right. you know, I don't type a word because it's just not working, mm-hmm. and then there are other days where I sit down and end up writing for 12 hours and forget to eat, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you know, I'm looking at the clock and it's midnight, and I don't know where the day is gone, yeah. so, um, so in the end, I think it sort of balances, but it is important for me to, no matter which way it goes, to have that this is writing time from the start, yeah. so... I don't sort of start to wander
2: and get lost. Sure. And do you... Um, when you were writing Hundred Lies, did you kind of map out the whole book before you did it, or were you kind of writing this character and you discovered it kind of along the way?
0: I'm in between plotting and pantsing. I... If I try to write without an idea of where the story is going, then I just start to get lost. Yeah. Um, so what I usually do is I have all of my... I know the major characters, and I know the major plot points. I know what where I need to hit, and I'll write them all down on post-it notes and sort of put them up on my wall and rearrange them sure. as I go through the story. And so I don't actually know how I'm going to get from one point, point to another, point but I do know the major things that need to happen and the end of the story. Absolutely.
2: Okay. And so... This is your first published novel. It is. And it comes out in January, but you've already been doing publicity and panels. And since this is your first time with all the signings and conferences like American Library Association, well, what has that experience been like for you as a debut author?
0: It's absolutely just thrilling and surreal. I, I think that most writers don't ever really imagine they're going to get to this place because it's so unlikely. Mm-hmm. There are so many different factors. You, know, you need to have a certain amount of talent and you need to work really hard, but at the same time, luck is involved too. So I think that for most of us, we're doing our best. We've got our end goal in mind, but none of us are telling ourselves, oh yeah, I'm definitely going to get a book published <laughs> sure. one day. And so for it to actually be happening and for it to all have happened so fast and you know, doing book signings that... that is something that I have imagined since I was a little kid, yeah. but again, it's not really something that you're assuming is going to happen for you. It's like winning the lottery, right? So it's yeah. been a just such a surreal and amazing experience.
2: And was there kind of like one moment that you had that like sort of like aha feeling, like when you were doing like a book signing or having a fan come up and say, "Oh my gosh, I related to this character." It was like, was there? Have you had one of those moments yet, where someone just comes up and you're sort of like
0: yes that's um uh, an excerpt of my book had been released a few few weeks before my first signing mm-hmm. and so that was you know the average person someone that wasn't my mom yeah you know, that was the first time people had actually read any sure. of it and I had um several people come up to me and say you know oh I needed this book I needed to come to this signing because I read the excerpt and I fell in love with it and really you did my book are you sure you're talking about my book <laughs>
2: Oh, that's I can't even imagine. That just I to see like a line of people waiting for something you wrote that has to be
0: the coolest thing I've ever experienced.
2: (laughs) Um, I've heard you discuss on some panels about the YA community, and and I've talked to a lot of YA authors who really rave about the supportive nature of kind of the YA, almost like family of writers. So, for you, what has it been like? with this kind of community of, of writers it, it seems different than other genres where people really come together and help each other out just what has that been like for you
0: it's honestly if i didn't have my young adult writer friends i would have probably gone insane mm-hmm. by now i have a group of friends that have been with me you know every step of the journey where i can go and talk to them or rant to them or yeah. gush to them and ask questions and without that i i think it's important for every writer mm-hmm. to because when you're writing, you're so much in your own head, right? And publishing is crazy, and there, are, it's the coolest thing, but it's also stressful, yeah. and you don't really know what to expect because it's all so new, and there's not, it's different for everyone, and there's not, there's not just a guidebook that you can go read <laughs> on how to handle the right. publishing process. And so, to have people who have been through it or are going through it, or you know, who can offer some kind of insights, is really the most valuable thing in the world. And on top of that, I've met a few very experienced, successful writers now and it's incredible to me that they are just so humble and so warm and so inviting. Yeah. You know, they none of them are oh you're just a debut author. Yeah, you don't absolutely. mean anything to me. They're all they've all just completely welcomed me. So
2: that makes me feel so happy. I love I love being reassured that these people yes. that seem so wonderful actually are. That's that's really reassuring. Yeah
0: it's fantastic.
2: So when you aren't writing um how do you like to escape the literary world? What do you kind of like to do for fun?
0: Okay, so I have a weird a weird answer for this question. I'm not going to say reading because every writer... <laughs> yeah,
2: that's
0: you know, a, it's I just wouldn't let you get away with that. That's a little bit yeah. of a cop-out. Okay, so my favorite... <laughs> besides reading and writing, my favorite way to spend my time is actually um, urban exploration, Ooh. which means basically finding abandoned buildings yeah. and sneaking into them and exploring. Sure. And um, it's the... It's just my favorite. And uh, I I kind of like being scared. You know, I like scary books and I like scary movies. And, of course, if you're sneaking into an abandoned place, then you're imagining, you know, the serial killers that are hiding there um, and all of the hauntings. And so that, that part of it is thrilling. But I also, I think that... I love it in a story sense, too, because, you know, no building is ever abandoned for absolutely no reason. Right. You walk into a place where people once lived or once worked, and you know that there was life that was happening there, and now that life is gone, and what happened in between, and there are just so many stories, and it sort of drives me crazy that I don't (laughs) actually know, that I can't... It's pretty rare to actually find information about an abandoned abandoned building that'll, that'll tell you about people personal lives anyway, but I sure like to imagine it. Mm-hmm.
2: And I will say for our listeners, you do put a little snippet of that in the book. I do. am not going to give anything I away, do. but it is yeah. in there. so that's...
0: That was one of my favorite scenes to write, and yes, some of it um, was taken from my own experiences. I can
2: imagine. <laughs> so, uh, so Overdrive is a library company. We work with librarians and libraries all around the world. Uh, so I just always like to ask authors that I speak with, do you have a favorite or a first memory of a library that you would like to share?
0: Well, I certainly don't have a first memory because my mom is a reader, and so I was going to the library with her before I have memories.
2: Absolutely.
0: Um, and then once I started getting into reading, too, I, I would have had a much sadder childhood if the library didn't exist because I just flew through books, and there's my parents couldn't have afforded to support right. my reading habit. So we were constantly at the library, and um, I had my little little kid's library card, and it was yellow, and it had turtles, and I was so proud of it. I was so proud. So proud that I actually continued to use that card until I was probably 18. Oh, yeah, you don't get rid of that. Yeah, exactly. But then, no. So what happened was, I think that it got so worn down that it wouldn't scan anymore. So they told me I had to get my big people's library card. (laughs) So I, I did. I agreed to switch over, and then I found out That with the adult library card, the book limit went from 10 to 20.
2: Oh, that's huge. So he has
0: all of these years. All of these years, I could have been taking out stacks and stacks of books at once. That's so So, funny.
2: So what is that? So what's on the library card now? So the turtles are gone.
0: It, it's just the plain library card that says Clark County Library.
2: That's a little heartbreaking. Yeah, I know, honest.
0: it is. I wish yeah. they'd put some turtles back <laughs> on it.
2: Uh, what were some of the books that you read when you were growing up?
0: My, my two favorites, and these are like, they're so silly, but I don't care. I stand by them. Mm-hmm. The Christopher Pike books, yeah. who I still adore Christopher Pike. Absolutely. And the Sweet Valley High books. That's, you, because, have to, yeah, you don't
2: have to be ashamed of that. That's um, all. Yeah.
0: Come on, Sweet Valley High is a little silly. It's, you There's, know
2: what? It, I would there rather. Are some have some
0: ridiculous plots.
2: It's better to read Sweet Valley High than spend like all day watching TV. Yeah, that like is at. very true. No matter what you're yes. reading, it's better than not reading. That's the way I'm <laughs> yes. to look at it. Um, so, how about now? What are some of the books and authors that you like reading nowadays?
0: You know, I, I read everything. Mm-hmm. I, I, um, for my favorite author of all time is an adult author, so it's, it's not even in the genre I write, but it's John Irving yeah, who I will worship forever, I think <laughs> until the day I die um, young adult books, and again I read I don't really stick to any one genre, I do have a preference for contemporary, Sure, Jandy Nelson I love her um, Lauren Oliver yeah. Um, yeah. lately I've actually been having fun because I have made it to this stage in my life without reading the Harry Potter books. Well, you, I know. What? I know. Research. Everyone is appalled. So... Uh, I guess when they came out, I read the first chapter, and I was I think in high school at the time, and it was just it was a little too middle grade for me. Sure. And then I didn't have any friends who were really into it, so there was no one encouraging me saying, you know, no, no, just get past those first few chapters, just uh-huh. do this. So um, now I'm in the young adult community, and to not have read the Harry Potter books is a sin. Yeah. So I a couple months ago, I admitted to my friends, my my writer friends, that I had not read them, and they were horrified and said that they would no longer be my friend if I didn't immediately read those books you know
2: what that's fair yeah I know that's fair I know
0: so I'm actually so now for the for the past month I've been going through the books and I'm now I just started Order of the Phoenix
2: okay fine. so I'm well,
0: making amends okay
2: perfect all right so I like to end my all of our podcast interviews with I like to call them the nerd nine so okay. nine quick questions okay. the first one you actually just kind of answered what's the last book that you read uh,
0: yes
2: Harry Potter okay what's your favorite place to read
0: place to read probably the hammock in my backyard
2: It's a good place yes uh what's your guilty pleasure i always tell everyone mine's like i spend hours looking at puppies on instagram It's like i can't stop so like what's something that's like your kind of guilty pleasure oh, Well, we
0: uh, probably doing we'll rereads of the sweet valley books i just right. mentioned
2: to you <laughs> uh what's one place you'd like to travel that you haven't been to uh, new
0: orleans new orleans really nice. yes do you have
2: a favorite holiday
0: Halloween absolutely no question that's a
2: good choice uh favorite movie The Big Lebowski (laughs) that's a great answer uh cats or dogs dogs favorite food pizza and then if you could have dinner with one person alive or dead who would you pick Jack the Ripper man you didn't even have to (laughs) think that's perfect um (laughs) outstanding okay last question okay what do you hope readers take away from reading The Hundred Lies of Lizzie Lemon?
0: You know, when I was a kid, books were my escape. And it's not that my life was so horrible or anything like that. It just you know, I was I was kind of a strange kid, like Hawthorne <laughs> in my book, and life wasn't as magical as I would have liked it to be, sure. and so books were the way I coped with that because it's okay if life isn't magical when you have a million magical worlds to dive into anytime you want. And so I feel like that's what I want to do with my books. If there's a, a young person out there who one day reads one of my books and that is his or her escape, that's yeah. their way of getting away from the real world and sort of entering a place where they can immerse themselves with this this magic.
2: A perfect way to end. Chelsea, thank you so much for taking some time. Thank and you. Alright, and again, Chelsea's book will be available this January and our library friends can go and uh, purchase it in the near future in our Overdrive Marketplace, so Chelsea, thank you. We appreciate your time. Thank you so
1: much. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. Step into the world of power, loyalty